Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, oh man, we got to do a lot better than that. You guys are waking up again, right? Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, there we go. Although it seems uh, sometimes Paul is alone in his ministry, we think of that quite a bit. It seems like he's just out there doing his own thing, but he's surrounded by many faithful uh, ministers, uh, friends in the Lord, and uh, doing the same thing that he's doing and uh, aiding him, and, and he's helping them. But there's there's no way that Paul could do all this alone that he did. And think of the impact that it made on the very early church of all that Paul did, and then, of course, the writing of Scripture here, um, getting churches started. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're here where we're at today. And uh, anyway, we can say that Paul was not a lone ranger, was he? Paul was a human. He was not a superhero. He was just, he was just a man. But so many people had helped him and his ministry throughout the years. And as the years went on, and as more struggles came to him, and he got to the point of where he is going to be uh, killed, and uh, this persecution and this um, imprisonment that he has, a lot of Christians are bailing out now. A lot of the leaders, some of the the people that he had worked with, are just uh, bailing out. Heat was turned on, they scattered. It got too much for him. They, they abandoned him. And so it's, it's a sad story because this is the fact that Jesus told us what was going to happen. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, of course, that's what happened in the early church. And, of course, it continues on. That's a testimony of Paul. We know that all along that's what's uh, happened to him. And uh, reality is hitting on some people, and uh, they don't want any more part of it. This is one of the big reasons why Paul wrote Timothy this letter that he did. Because he was fearing that Timothy would be very vulnerable. And he, too, would kind of slip and maybe just bail out, too. It would be awful easy. And there are false teaching, teachers that are lurking in, in, in Ephesus, right in, in his own church. So... You take the word Timothy and you think of the word timid. It's really not. It means honor. But sometimes you think of Timothy having the temptation to be timid and uh, to get discouraged. And Paul writes this very timely letter. And it's a, it's a word of encouragement. Uh, it's, it's vital. Uh, it's urgent. And so um, he brings us forth to uh, him that he would remain faithful, that he would not go AWOL. <laughs> Because boy, that's that's what's that's what's happening. So he's depending on him, a faithful son, faithful son in in Christ. He's a true friend, and he knows Paul knows that there's execution in a short while. He needs Timothy. He needs some of the others around him at this time. It's going to be the very last days. He's getting his instructions out. Friends are very important uh, to him, and actually to each one of us. Friends are really key in our walks with Christ. You know, yeah, we depend upon the Lord, but He gives us people and surrounds us with people and we are dependent upon them. And they are dependent upon us. So it's it's really key. Um, the last part of Paul's last letter, the second Timothy, this is going to be his last one, it's directed uh, dealing with his faithful friends, his workers in the Lord, uh, they had influenced his ministry. 
He influenced their ministry. And he recognizes the ones who have been so helpful and so faithful all along through this, all the loyal ones. And he depended on them so much. And so they're in his memories right now as he sits in this maritime prison in Rome. Uh, he is on death row. And uh, he recognizes there are some, though, that have not been faithful and loyal. And they were not willing to give the sacrifice. They were not willing to commit when it really came down to the, the real level. So Paul brings Timothy up to date as he starts naming some names of uh, people, uh, common friends, uh, and, and some of the ones who dropped out, and some of the ones that were the, the foes, the enemies. And he brings forth all the spiritual conditions, you know, where they're at spiritually, and uh, the activities they're involved uh, uh, with, the whereabouts that they have. Some are good reports. Most of them are good reports. But amongst this, right at the very end, there are reports that are not good. So these are closing words in Second Timothy. And uh, John Piper said it this way, they're sad and beautiful and full of broken-hearted hope. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Piper, he has a way with words. And I, I found this interesting. Uh, if those words happen to sound incompatible to you, uh, then probably you have some hard and helpful experiences yet to live through. <laughs> because I think you can identify with sad times, but they're beautiful times. Sometimes they're full of brokenheartedness, but yet at the same time you have hope. Can you identify with that? And if it sounds contradictory, believe me, you'll find out what that means sooner or later. <laughs> He's wrestling. He's wrestling with his feelings and his emotions. Now, he is a very down-to-earth man. We know Paul, he's very objective. And he writes with objective truth. But do you ever see his feelings come out also? He is a person. This is not automatic writing that God put down and put in here. But Paul put his own person in here. Now, when you do that, you become very vulnerable sometimes when you show who you are. And uh, it can be taken advantage of and what have you. Or people will misunderstand it. But um, I think Paul, in this, when he shows how human he is, I think it's really helpful to us. I think it's encouraging to us. A great man in the Lord, in the position that he was as a great apostle, and he felt like we sometimes do too. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt like it seems like you're the only one? Loneliness just cries out in these verses all the way through here. And so he's wrestling with the, the feelings of abandonment. It actually happened. These were people that he ministered with for many years. And some just dropped it. They dropped the ball left. Some went to the world. The things of the world. And this is a time of, I think, just great need. Paul is disappointed. With certain people, on the other hand, he is strong, he's confident in the Lord, he is very hopeful. So you can see why it'd be written that it would be sad and beautiful and full of brokenheartedness, but hope at the same time. And we always depend upon the Lord. But as I I studied this all throughout the week and, and I looked at the rest of the chapter, we finished off with uh, verse 8 last week, and that was Paul's valedictory as a triumphant victory and and uh, you know he could have cut off right there but as is customs 
for him, he uh, includes uh, some last-minute um, helpful either instructions or just saying um, he was thankful for certain ones and uh, telling where some certain ones were going to be and why they're at where they're at and telling Timothy to come there and those are things that um, you know needed to be closed out. And it, sometimes it looks really random when you have the end of a letter. And when you do expository work, you know, hey, okay, how do we how do we work this? Right, Luke? That's right. You get into sections, you go, okay, you know, how can this be helpful and meaningful to us? I know it is. See, that's the thing. I, I know every word here is inspired and every one is important. But there are certain texts sometimes that are harder each week. Uh, usually you know where you're going to be at and I was wondering okay do I finish the the chapter on this and and most of the commentators go from verses 9 through 22 I believe it is and finish it up and I thought well I might go that route I don't know that's awfully long to be able to cover and of course you've looked at your outline and you see it closes at verse 12 and I realize I will probably have difficulty finishing verse 12 right Luke? (laughs) So I, I did not try to plan the rest of it out, and i tell you why. Um, the more I looked into it, I go, oh, yeah, we really need to see what Paul is thinking and, and feeling here. Um, there are personal concerns that he has. It's rather choppy, especially as we go on it. It seems like it jumps from one thing to another, from one person to another, especially at the very end. And you go, how does this verse tie in with this verse? And believe me, they do. You just you just have to be patient and keep working with it and see how they come together. Because if it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, we know this stuff is not just put together by accident and Paul just throws a thing here and there randomly. It's not afterthoughts, is it? It's not like, oh, yeah, I finished at that one verse and now I think I'll go ahead and tack this on. P.S., right? <laughs> Postscript. Do they do that in email anymore? P.S.? I don't think so. I, I've never used it, but... Anyway, it, so it's not incidental. I think it's very vital. I think this this passage is just as important as that six through eight that we covered last week. Um, I think it's vital because the Holy Spirit writes it. I think it's vital to us. It was definitely vital for Timothy. He sure needed to know those things. But I think it's right here today in this church as people sit here. I think it, even though it looks like it's just a tack on thing, and oh, we can just kind of blow by this and get to the next book, right? No, this, there's a lot here. And I think we can learn here from their faithfulness. And I think we can also learn from their failure. There definitely is faithfulness. There's definitely failure. What we're going to do is kind of meet Paul's team. Most of them we have heard of. Uh, we're going to look at that team. There are others that are on his team, but this is some of the ones that he brings forth. And there's a lot of them, uh, even this week, but next week there are even more. And what we want to do is take a whole host of applications home with us as we learn about uh, these the, the faithfulness and, and then at the same time learning uh, the failures. So why don't we... Uh, go ahead and stand up for a moment. Make sure that we are wide awake again. <laughs> and... Uh, Let's read this uh, section that we're doing today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Making, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. 
Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Stop there. Father, we thank You. Thank You for this lesson about loyalty, dependability, about being faithful, being true ultimately to You, being true to each other because that is vital for us. And uh, may we be able to uh, put this into our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. And you must admit, when you're reading a, a text of Scripture, oh, I think I'll go right to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. I want to start there. Most people aren't going to have this section as their favorite section. But after we're done today, I hope it'll, it'll change us even more and, uh, in, in our own lives. Now, Paul starts out, and he's addressing Timothy here, so we already know who it's to. He says, make every effort to come to me soon. There's a lot in that. First, we we want to look at, at Timothy. He's a son in the faith, isn't he? Paul referred to him a child in the faith. He referred to him as a beloved son. He's very close to him. Uh, he's matter of fact, I think he's more special to Paul than anybody in, in a in a human aspect. Everybody's special and important, but very endearing relationship that Paul had with Timothy and Timothy with Paul. Paul was like a father to him. And I'm sure Timothy felt like he was a son to, to this father as, as he had been taught and discipled by him so much. Uh, all we have to do is look back in 1 Timothy, the first epistle, chapter 1, verse 2. Easy to find, isn't it? To Timothy, my true child in the faith. That's in the faith, in Christ. You know, that's the one that he taught and discipled. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved son. So those quite uh, are quite the uh, terms of endearment there that he has uh, for him as he addresses uh, both letters like that. And then, of course, you read this whole letter of 2 Timothy there. In writing to the Philippians, bearing his heart, in chapter 2, verse 19, he said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition, for I have no one else of kindred spirit. There wasn't anybody like him to be around. And he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And... uh, I'm encouraged in learning your condition. I'm, he's going to tell me what's going on there. And he, you know, Timothy actually had the heart of Paul. He had the habits of Paul. He was like Paul in a lot of ways. He had the theology of Paul. He was a, he was kind of a reproduction of Paul, and in, in, if I can say that in some sense. But he's his own person, and he's going to preach like Timothy preaches. You know, the way that it comes out, but it's still going to be of the same of the essence. And uh, I, I think of um, R.C. Sproul and John Gerstner. And those guys teach a lot alike. And sometimes if you're hearing it from a distance, they sound alike. And uh, with that rough kind of voice and the way they accent certain words. And, um, you know, you, you think of R.C. And, of course, he sat underneath John Gerstner. And uh, so that uh, there was a special relationship that they had. And whenever... Sproul had his ministry uh, really take off. He 
took in uh, a teaching teaching series that Gerstner uh, did there, and um, he used that. So there was, a, I think, a good example there of a, a son and a father in the faith. And, uh, of course, I think we, we all can identify with that in, in certain ways, you know, if people have uh, helped us and uh, know the Lord better. Paul always could count on Timothy. Wherever he needed to send him to go to some place, he might ship him out of Ephesus and go to some other place, and at the same time he would replace Timothy with somebody else for a while because there was an urgent need over here that Timothy could do. So whatever ministry needed to be done, Paul, and if it was very urgent, he might just have to call on Timothy because he has an urgent thing to do at the time or he can't get out, he's in prison. So you know he tells Timothy to go. You're talking dependability. Uh, so important. And I never see Timothy ever give an excuse. Uh, he was um, quite uh, in ministry and uh, he was all sold out to do it. So appreciate it. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Now th- these are the Corinthians, right? And uh, boy, there were a lot of exhortations in Corinth uh, that needed to be done. And uh, he, he certainly does. But uh, look at uh, Paul as he mentions Timothy. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Corinth needed to be reminded. If you're familiar with this letter, boy, there was one um, a little bit of a more more of an exhortation, uh, rebuking. Uh, there were some things that uh, needed to be brought forth. And of course, chapter five is dealing with immorality that was in the church. Uh, so you know, inside the church, there can be a lot of things happening. But the thing is, um, Paul says, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to send somebody like Timothy to be to be there." And because he, you know, he preaches uh, like uh, like I do. Paul was thinking here. He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. So they need to be exhorted. Get the paddle out. You know, <laughs> there was a discipline. There was discipline in this letter, and Timothy's going to be there, and he's going to have to carry on some of the things that uh, Paul will be doing. Second um, Timothy chapter one, verses three and four. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Timothy had had tears for Paul. shows you how he felt with him. And uh, so, you know, uh, students can be like their mentors. Most great men in the ministry, most anybody that has grown in the Lord, they're linked to a mentor. I think all of us should be able to say, hey, this one person or these couple of people, they really, really had a lot to do in my growth in the Lord. And they desire to emulate them. That's why Paul will say, be imitators of me, you know. Be, be like what I'm, I'm showing you here. Uh, for Timothy, it was Paul. Paul was his mentor. And I think they had been a strength to each other, there's no doubt. Um, 
the richest one of the richest things we'll ever know in ministry is having the friendship in the ministry that we have whether that can be ups or downs whatever it is that that those group of people that you have so much friendship and respect for um, it, it is so valuable to us very rich God gives us gives us the privilege of raising up Timothy's and he's quite the product of Paul and being so much like Paul he, he even wound up in prison like Paul did you, you want to see look at Hebrews 13 the Hebrew writer mentioned it if you preach like Paul does I, I can pretty well guarantee you what's going to happen and this was what probably Timothy might have been afraid of I don't want to be thrown in jail well guess what 13.23 right at the end of the letter take notice that our brother Timothy has been released with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. I think released more than implies that it, it definitely, I think, is saying he, he's been in prison too. Well, we get to the request. The request is made here in Second Timothy 4, 9. Make every effort to come to me soon. We've talked about Timothy. We talk about the mentor Paul. Paul's lonely. Paul is in a dark dungeon. He's already written that he longed to see the righteous judge. And back in verse eight, remember, right at the end of that, uh, and he has a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. He's looking for that. He longs to see Christ. But he longs for Timothy. He knows he's going to see Christ, but still yet he has a longing for Timothy. He desired to be with Christ, right? But as long as we're here, we're still absent from the Lord. But at this time... And this shows that Paul's heart is in heaven and his feet are on the ground. And that's the way that we are. How many times are we torn? Oh, I'd love to be with the Lord. But then the people that you care for... Yeah... Your feet are on the ground there. And so, you know, I think this is really helpful to us. He, he wanted Timothy. He needed Timothy. And he's begging him, make every effort to come to me soon. Please. Please come. There are times when each one of us, we need, we need each other. In fact, we need each other all the time. Starting with the prayers. Boy, do we need your prayers, right? If everybody's praying for us, can you imagine how much better that helps? You, all, you guys sense that, don't you? People praying for us. We, 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 we need God, but we still need people too. We just can't be lone rangers just dependent on the Lord because He gives us people. He says, make every effort. Do your best. I don't care what it takes. <laughs> do, do the very best, Timothy, to get here. Do all that you can. I know it's going to be difficult, but get here. Now, Paul has been telling Timothy in this epistle of what to do in Ephesus, and then he closes the letter saying, Come here! <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying, Paul? You're telling me to do all this and watch out for those guys and this and this circumstance and don't give up, and now you're telling me to come here. Well, you know, do what you do quickly, and you'll, you'll have the rest of your time to, to do the rest of it, but uh, whatever's got to be done, but come now. Okay? And, and, and Paul, 
knows the possibility that seeing Him in, in this life is very limited. He's going to soon be gone. He wants to see Him once more before He dies. If somebody is really important to you, you want to see them, don't you? It's really important. His time to be gone is imminent. He's not going to live long. The word there is hasten. Make every effort to come to me soon. Hasten. Every effort to be quick. To be in a hurry. To do it speedily. This is a long way away. <laughs> Ephesus to, to Rome. Get here quickly. Right? That's the essence of it. Paul's begging uh, I got a feeling with that kind of terminology, Timothy's saying, you know what? I got to go. It's time to go. I, I, you know, when Paul says this, I take this seriously. So he did. Well, there's number one. That's dealing with a, a dependable son in the faith, and I put an in plural because we all want to be dependable children in the faith, don't we? Dependable. The Lord can depend on us, but others can depend on us. We want to be that way. Always being that way. Now we get to one who is the opposite. The way that it turns out. This is sad. This is this is the sad part. We saw a beautiful part, but we, we, we see a sad part here. Verse 10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. One little phrase there. It's not even the whole verse. And you go, Mom, what's happening here? And we don't really know exactly what happens as far as his salvation is concerned. We'll look at it a little bit, but why is it that this verse starts with that little three-letter word, for? Well, there's a connection there. You know, therefore, well, here's for. It's the same thing. It's, it means it's directly connected with verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon. Why? There is a reason. It's not that just Paul is lonely and he wants somebody to come and visit him. You know, that almost sounds like selfishness, doesn't it? Well, haven't we all been there too? But I think it goes far beyond that. There's a reason. Not a selfish reason at all, but it's because Demas left. There is a hole put in the ministry now and it has to be filled up and it needs to be filled up in a hurry. I mean, this is urgent. And, and Timothy's the only one that can fill this hole. There are others. Luke is around there, but no. Demas has left. Timothy, you've got to come in and fill in that position now. Somebody drops out. Somebody's got to do something else. That really makes it tough on other people, doesn't it? Makes it Paul on, or tough on Paul because Paul is here. He's going to die. And now he's got to figure out what to happen, what's, what can happen, and now he's going to have to take Timothy out of Ephesus, which is having problems there, and then he's going to have to put somebody into place there. You see what Paul's doing? He's not just laying back and saying, "Okay, this is it. I just give up. You know, I've, I've had it. I'm done." He's still making plans, isn't he? He never gives up. Wait, have you heard that? Never, 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 ever, ever give up, right? Well, there's Paul right to the very last moment and he's directing this and that. Isn't that incredible? And somebody just drops out. So I want to tell you, when you drop out of something, you affect others. And uh, I don't know, I've seen people drop out of the faith. I mean, drop out of the faith and, and uh, you, you find out, oh, that, and you find out what they're doing and where they're at. And, uh, I mean, you, you don't even hear much of them, but then you see their, 
the things they say and the things they're doing, and you go, uh, I don't. From what I see, I don't see any signs. I don't see a fruit that that person is really a believer. Um, that's what it's looking like to Paul here. I don't know. But I can tell you there's a request made, and if Paul makes a request and it's the Holy Spirit inspiring him, Demas just left the ministry there, Paul in the lurch. And Demas just breaks Paul's heart. I mean, it, it's just it's just bleeding here. Just when Paul needed him the most, he doesn't need somebody bailing out at this time while he's going to die. He needs somebody like Demas to do that work in Rome that he longed to do. And he knows he can't get out this time. Now do you see the urgency of this? This is not just somebody that just left. Oh, you say, okay, well, that's just one. No, that, that one person is something that's going to make it difficult for everybody else. So there was a certain ministry there in Rome that was going on. What it was, I'm not sure, but it was important. Now he's, get, he's going to get Timothy to come in there and fill in where Demas left the gap. So it's as if Paul is saying, would you please come soon because Demas is gone. Look in Colossians 4. What about this Demas? Do we know anything about him? Yes, we do. This is where it is confusing. Very confusing. Um, Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, we'll be looking at him today, sends you his greetings and also, who? Demas. Paul writes the Colossians. He mentions Luke and then Demas. They know of Demas. Demas had done some ministry. Uh, that's not the only place. Um, Philemon. Book of Philemon. It's verse 24. It's right after Second Timothy. You know. Titus, then Philemon. I mean, right after Titus. Philemon is probably a, a one or two pager for you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, verse 23, fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. What's he call him? A fellow worker. He's not just somebody that was back in some place where somebody knew. No, he's a fellow worker with Paul. A fellow worker with Paul, the apostle. Who worked right alongside him, did ministry. This is what's confusing. What happened? He's unfaithful. He's an unfaithful deserter. Well, all we get here in Second Timothy, Paul says enough, I guess. It's about all you have to hear. Having loved this present world, the tension of the world. The things it has to offer. So nice. So cool. He was in love with this world. That's what it says. He loved this present world. He focused on the now. What it has to offer. There is a love for this world. And it makes ministry impossible. You can't love, you can't love ministry and love the world. And we're talking about the world system. Everything that's made up there. Either it abandons ministry, 
or it makes ministry worldly enough and watered down and it's enough to be at home there. So under Paul's leadership here, Demas is not going to make this ministry worldly. He'd like to have mixed it in. But he knows Paul too much and he knows what what that's about. He just left. And rather than what Paul said, he loved the Lord's appearing. Remember in verse 8, at the end of verse 8, but also to all who have loved His appearing. How many here love His appearing? Right? If, if that be the case, that means you can't wait till He comes back. Right? We love, we love that thought. What does Demas love? This present world. The now. I think that says a lot about Demas. So he took off to pursue the good life. Look in 1 John 2.15. Everybody knows that passage. and This, this is what, what he did. And it's, it's a sad story. You, you hate to hear something like this. Somebody, and especially at this time in, in uh, Paul's life. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. You know, may well have been one of those seeds that fall on the rocky ground. Remember that story, the parable that Jesus gave? How about the weedy ground? There's a, you know, the weeds popping out. Uh, at first, it you know looked good, looked right, uh, but eventually the weeds choke out the life that was first coming up. That looked so good, it looked looked good, you know, sprouting out. Uh, this present age is choking out the life before any fruit can come. Um, it would seem to me that probably. Uh, who knows? Maybe Demas was never even a Christian. We don't know. I, I don't make that that judgment. I, I can, uh, and uh, but I can say uh, all the system of the world is about the aims, the ideals, the opinions, the values, the mo uh, the motives, the morals. Uh, that's a system. The impulses of the passing age. All those things in that in that system. And that were the that, those were the things there that Demas uh, loved. There is a love for that world, uh, the present age, the the God ignoring, the God denying, the God demeaning, the Christ distorting products of culture. That's what the world is about: denying God, demeaning God, ignoring God, and uh, rather than having a love for Christ. And so anyway, um, we don't we don't know the state of Demas's soul. We can turn back to Matthew chapter 13 at uh, verse 5, for instance. Others fell on the rocky places where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. You remember that passage, right? You know, Jesus is talking, you know, giving the parables, you know, the four soils, and one one soil was good. Uh, look at verse 7. 
Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And then you have the good soil. And then you turn to verse 20 through 22, and it says, The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Alright? Looks looks good. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. I want you to catch that word. Temporary. Temporary. I'll come back to that in a moment. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Right? Look at verse 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, the word of the world the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, his action, I, don't, I think, exposes the, the deprivation here of his spiritual life. However things happen to him, I think it definitely exposes where he was at at that time. It's hard to tell whether he's a backslider. You guys know what a backslider is. That's a, that's a Christian and as a matter of fact, Spurgeon talked to that word, and I think sometimes whenever I grew up, backslider was a very cheap word. It means you can you can be a Christian, do anything you want, and for the rest of your life, as long as you walk down the aisle, uh, sign a card, said a prayer, right? And uh, so you're a member, uh, you got baptized, all of those things, and that makes you a member of the church, you're a member of the body of Christ and whatever. Well, that, that can be true, but at the same time, it may not be, you know. Things might have looked good, but were there was there anything there? Right, we know we know about that. Um, so you know, a backslider though, really biblically, and a Spurgeon, he preached sermons on that. That was a Christian, but you know, there's only two ways you can go: you can go forward and grow in Christ, or you'll start sliding backwards. You can't stay the same. If you're reading the Word of God and you're letting the Holy Spirit change your life, you're going to continue to get grow. Or you're you're actually if you're not in the Word of God and you're not in fellowship and you're not in prayer, you're not doing the the disciplined things that a Christian does, then you're on your backslide. So it's one of the two ways. There's nothing in between. And so a backslider is a Christian. I'll tell you what, they will get to a point where God then will stop that backslide and there will be a, a good whooping coming, right? You know, we get off that path and I think of Pilgrim's Progress and, and um, that thought. And, um, of course, there was a, I mentioned that one uh, passage in Matthew where... Um, was the word that he was, we were in chapter 13 there. Um, and it was in verse 5. No, it wasn't. It's verse 22, right? 21. Well, it was temporary. Was it 5? There it is in 7, right? Yeah. Anyway, there was in, in Pilgrim's Progress, there was a guy by the name of Mr. Temporary. Mr. Temporary. You know, in Pilgrim's Progress, they run into all sorts of characters, right? You know, that story just has one character after another. And, it, and it's the way that your walk is. As you continue on the path, the straight and narrow, which, you know, is, is difficult, the hill of difficulty, and then the battle with the enemy and such, and it's just, just constant, and then sometimes you get a respite, and, you know. 
it's really good. But Mr. Temporary was one who looked like he was really a Christian. And whenever it, uh, the, the times got a little difficult, uh, what did Mr. Temporary do? He stopped. Quit. Went back. It was temporary. He was. He looked like he was right, right? But he, he got out of it. And really, that's not a backslider. That's really an apostate. An apostate is one who never was a believer anyway. Sometimes you can't tell the difference between the two. And sometimes we don't know. And so we have to be very careful about making judgments on on people. But they don't look like it. I think we can say that sometimes we don't look like Christians. (laughs) But if we are a Christian, we're a Christian, that's the way it's going to be. But if he really uh, wasn't genuine, then uh, if, if you're not genuine, then you're not going to be able to persevere. Because if you're not in the Lord, you can't do anything anyway. Um, Demas didn't leave in order to follow Jesus. I've got another ministry out here that I'm going to do. It wasn't that. He left Jesus to embrace the what? The pleasures of the world. And so that can happen to friends in ministry. Some of them never come back. We've heard of horror stories where people ministered and pastored, and I mean, you know, they they did all the things. And then they just stopped. They turned their back on it and uh, really didn't have any interest in, in it anymore. Uh, there were other things out there to pursue. And they said, man, are you serious? People can really look like Christians and yet they they will eventually desert. First, John said that. He said, uh, uh, those ones that were of us were not really ever of us. And... Uh, I don't even like to talk about things like that, but uh, that's what's here. And Jesus spoke about it. And Paul's speaking about it. Um, this word here, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Has deserted. What, what's there? It's a strong verb. And it means not only to leave, but it's compounded in the Greek. And it has two prepositions. And so when you have the, it's, it's double intense here. <laughs> you get the idea. He doesn't just, you know, just kind of left. I mean, it's not just leaving, but it's deserting in the midst of a dire situation. Paul's saying we need you. He knows it, and he just goes right on it at the most inappropriate time it could be, and that's the idea of deserting. And so perhaps the deprivation had gotten to Demas and perhaps all the difficulty and the suffering and I think the handwriting was on the wall. Paul was going to lose his life and it, and and really this Demas saw this and he said, hey, if that happened to him and I'm with him, this is going to make me look bad. I'm attached to him and I'm getting out of here. You know what I mean? This This is what happens. The risk increased. And he had been ministering to Paul. It's time to leave. I'm getting out of this joint. This is scary. So Paul mentions it. Now, what good does this do to us? Am I trying to scare people here? No, that's that's not the idea. But there is a warning. I, and, and we are to examine ourselves. See where we're at in the faith. I, I think it's very purposeful as it is put there. We need to learn from this. If someone can be a Mr. Temporary in Pilgrim Progress, we can be temporary too. I'm not saying, hey, start doubting your salvation. That's not the point why we come here. 
But we do need, if we continue in the faith, we'll never have to really worry about whether we're really in the faith or not. He says, abide in my word and you will be my disciples. You will really learn. If you're abiding in his word, if you're staying in it, if you're remaining, you're sticking around, it'll show that you're for real. You and your own actions can't keep yourself anyway. But uh, I think it's quite a, a sober warning. Demas left for a more desirable, comfortable kind of life. And, and then Paul says he's gone to Thessalonica. Now, I don't know anything about Thessalonica here uh, as far as he's concerned. We don't know why. Uh, maybe it was his hometown. Maybe he just went back home. Maybe that's where uh, he has a girlfriend back. you know, And, and so he's going to go for her or, or a wife and a family or... Maybe it was less demanding there in Thessalonica. Um, I point all some of those things out because I'm pulling right out of Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> you know? And, and um, of course, but to continue on the faith with, with Christ, uh, there must have been something that uh, pulled him back to, or to De- uh, Thessalonica. Whatever it was, we don't know. Uh, but, it, it, you know, Paul sends people all over the place and people go all over in ministry, so there's nothing wrong with going to Thessalonica. But he went there because he wanted to get out of doing that ministry that he was doing. And he, you know, there's things in the world. So there's, there's it. How could one get to be a Demas? How could that happen to somebody we saw in two passages where he was a fellow worker? Dealt with that, right? Well, number one, he's ceased to think seriously about God. Those kind of thoughts about God were no longer there. He ceased to think about death, the coming judgment. Right? As Paul nears the end of his life, he's looking forward to the, the righteous judge. Now, this man is not thinking about uh, judgment, coming judgment. Uh, and then number two, start to cast off by degrees. Essential, such as prayer. All of a sudden, our prayer life becomes really kind of pushed back. It's not important. The Word of God, haven't touched it in months. Um, actually, even not even recognizing our sin. No sorrow for sin. You know, it's, it's not really there. No repentance. Hey, I'm a Christian. I can do whatever I want to do. And so therefore, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I like to do and just get out of my business, okay? When that happens, there's something seriously wrong. They start shunning the company of Christians. Number four, they start growing cold to public duties, ministry, that kind of thing. Number five, they start picking holes in the church. You can find holes in the church all over the place. How many times you ran into somebody and start making excuses? Oh, yeah, such and such. They did this. They did, you know, that's, you know, they're hypocrites. Those kind of things. Yeah, we're all sinners, aren't we? Yeah, boy, we can find holes. We can find all the holes we want. Just pick it apart. That's usually what they'll do. Number six, they start. They've been associating now with loose, carnal, wanton people. Associating with the wrong people. And number seven, they encourage others to go ahead and sin. And number eight, or seven, eight, eight, I guess. I had seven twice. They become hardened. Hardened. They, I mean, the calloused, nothing even bothers them anymore. 
can't even deal with them, talk with them. So that's kind of the, the downslide of it all. Um, and that's where Demas had done. And so now we get to another person, and kind of interesting here in uh, verse 10, it mentions Crescens has gone to Galatia. Now, it's not that Crescens has deserted Paul. He's gone there. He has a ministry to do here. That's what he's doing. He's not a deserter. You think, well, they've all gone, and look, look where he went here, and he went there, and he's getting on to Titus here too, and only Luke is here. In this sense, he's only mentioning Demas. But in the same verse, he's also showing, hey, there are capable people in the Lord that do stick around, except for just a word or two. This is all we get. We know nothing about this Crescens. Uh, he's to be sent to Galatia. And so let's glean out of that, and it's only going to take us another a minute or so at the most. Uh, he had been very dependable. I think he had been very faithful. Uh, there were many churches in the Galatian area. And you remember, Paul was instrumental in planting churches there. And the Galatian area was, was growing everything. And they needed a man that they would have full confidence in. And Paul says, that's the man to go there. Crescens can do that. I, you know, Paul planted the churches, and he knows that this guy is ready. He can do the job. He can go there, and and so I think those people in Galatia had a dear place in their heart for Paul. And so whenever Paul sends this guy here, they're going, "Hey, this guy's okay." It's not that they have to start checking things out. You know, hey man, I don't know if we can trust this guy or anything. No, they automatically just take it whenever he shows up. Oh, he's from Paul. It's cool. He's unknown, and he's like a lot. Most of the people in the body of Christ, they're unknown and they're heroes because they're just faithful. They're loyal. His life was an open book before the Lord, open book before people, before Paul. And uh, you know, there's so many in the church, the body of Christ, who we don't even know. People don't know us. But I want to tell you. Every person is really valuable, whether they know us or not. We're unknown, but that's okay. We continue to do the ministry, dedicated to the cause of Christ. So there's something about Crescens. So we can identify with that guy, can't we? He's not famous. He is mentioned in one little verse in the Bible, though. So he's more famous than us. <laughs> and then you got Titus. We know about Titus. We know quite a bit. Dalmatia. Reminds me of Disney or something. That's where the dogs came from. There might be truth to that. Crete. Crete. Uh, uh, I'll mention that. Crete and Dalmatia. Um, Titus is, is, is known well. He is actually the very next book that we look at. He's a pastor. He's one of the pastoral letters. Uh, he's mentioned nine times in Corinthians and two times in Galatians. That's quite a few times, isn't it? He's a builder. He's a quipper. He builds and quips. Of course, we know that there was a letter written to him. But Paul trusted in him because he pastored, he taught, he built up the churches, had an evangelistic effort, and then he made sure that they were strengthened. He was really good at that. 
He's a faithful man. He finished his assignment on Crete. That's really where he came from. That's where Paul uh, met him. And now he's off to Dalmatia, the Balkan area. These are real places, aren't they? And he had been with Paul and uh, for years, actually. He knew each, uh, they knew each other. And I'm sure he was something like what Timothy was. A real intimate work that they had together. And no doubt, he had left Crete. And um, that's where he was when Paul wrote this letter. You know, been the pastor, there's been churches there, and he's made sure that they're all solid. And now he's headed for this Dalmatia. Now, the only thing we know about Dalmatia, like I said, is uh, uh, either the, the dogs, they came from there, or they got their, their name uh, by that name, but or Dalmatia is on the eastern shore of the uh, Adriatic Sea, north of Macedonia. He preached, Paul preached there in Dalmatia, according to Romans 15:19. So the gospel had uh, sort of been in that area a little bit. That's a perfect setting for Titus to go to. They need you, Titus. You need to put it all together there for them, strengthen that church there, build the leaders. So Paul is just sending these. You see the networking that's going on here? All the thinking that, that he's doing? And of course, we, we can look in Titus 1, verse 4. To Titus, my true child in a common faith. Oh, that sounds like it was to Timothy, isn't it? My true child in a common faith. Chapter 3, verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Um, yeah, he's, he's just talking to Titus there. Uh, it kind of leads into Tychicus, which we'll be getting into in a moment. Not sure what I had there. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, okay. This is what he's saying. Okay, hey, Titus. Make every effort. It sounds like what he wrote to, to uh, Timothy, doesn't it? Make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis. I'm going to spend the winter there. I'm going to minister there. I want you to minister with me. You need to strengthen and build up some people here. Okay? And by the way, I'm going to work right there with you. So Titus and Paul, they were like that. They were tight. Um, every, I think, person in spiritual service uh, needs to know the ones that are known, the ones that are not known. Most of us are not known. But there needs to be people who are builders of, of men and women uh, who are leaders. And, so he came behind Paul to pour his life into people and strengthen them up. Second uh, Timothy, we come next to Luke. Only Luke was with me. Now, uh, Demas left. There were a bunch of them around at one time. Some are doing ministry. We know what happened to Demas, but okay, Luke is here though. You know, this is quite a, a man of the faith, right? I think it was a really good idea for God to give Paul a doctor. Dr. Luke. He's the beloved physician. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's pretty smart to have a doctor on the kind of trips that he took with all the beatings that he had and everything that happened to him. But Luke is a loyal, loyal Luke. Loyal Luke. Call him that. Loyal Luke. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien some of you are familiar with that? Some of you are familiar with Lord of the Rings? In the Fellowship of the Rings, he wrote this. I think this is really good. This may sound familiar. Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. 
Do you catch that? Have you heard that one before? No. We know what that means. It's saying somebody is if they drop out now, and because the the road darkens, you know that that's that's a faithless person, not a faithful person. Luther said the loyalty of a soldier is proved where the battle rages. He's loyal whenever that battle is raging and he stays right with it. Of course, spiritual, we can definitely see how that is. Luther was certainly loyal through the thick and thin, wasn't he? Boy, did the battle rage there. That's why we have a Protestant church today, isn't it? There was a battle, and he wasn't even trying to start a Protestant church. He said there are things wrong in this church, and it needs to be straightened out. He tried to do it from within. He's trying to give them the Word of God, and then they didn't want it. That's why he had to do what he did. And he was very loyal to the Word of God. He wanted to peep the, the, the Bible to get into the hands of the German people. All the people. That's really what he was about. So, you know, he, he remained loyal. A lot of loyal people. We have this doctor. He's a constant companion to Paul. Paul's on missionary journey. Number two, guess who was there? It was Luke. He joined at Troyes and uh, went to Philippi. At the end of the missionary, uh, number three, missionary journey uh, three, he went with him even to Jerusalem. He was with Paul here. But even before that, he was with Paul on the ship. And that connects us with our Tuesday night Bible study because we're in Acts 27 uh, coming up on Tuesday and we'll see Luke uh, involved in that. He was with uh, Paul in both of his imprisonments in Rome. The first time was a lot different than the second time. Because the second time is where we're at now. And you'll see him in the book of Acts where he'll say we and us. That's where Luke has now joined them again and he's, he's with them in those passages. He wasn't a preacher that we know of. He wasn't a teacher. We don't see any messages. We don't hear him teach. He doesn't appear to be a theologian. But he's a friend who acted and maybe like a, a secretary to Paul. It's certainly he's a certainly a, I think you could say a, a, a historian, the elite historian to the Holy Spirit. Um, in Colossians four fourteen, you, you don't get a lot mentioned about Luke, but there's much about Luke in that he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is actually the longest gospel in the Gospels. He said, "Wait a minute." It has like less chapters than Matthew. But, but if you count the words and you count all the sentences and everything, actually there's more content in Luke's um, Gospel than even Matthew. Now, neither here that doesn't, or, or nor there. It doesn't really matter, does it? But we're saying that was a very important Gospel that he wrote. And that was about Christ. In the early days of Christ, the life of Christ, and then... In the book of Acts, we get the life of the church. And Luke did that. And he's so accurate. Colossians 4.14, I think we read this earlier. Um, It says, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings. Also, Demas, (laughs) at that time. The beloved physician. He's beloved by Paul. And uh, so we get the loyal Luke there. He's, but like I say, he is dominant in the New, uh, New Testament, even though we don't see his name a lot um, by, by Paul there. Um, 
Anyway, he chronicled the life of Christ, the life of the early church. That was important. Chapter, um, we're in Second Timothy chapter four, verse eleven. Right? Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me. And make the story short. We're familiar with Mark, right? And there were growing up years. Matter of fact, we see him. He knew who Jesus was, and some of the the, uh, the apostles. Uh, he lived in a place that was probably probably the upper room, or, you know, where they had the Lord's Supper. That could have been the place that Luke and you know you know his uh, not Luke but uh, Mark, and he's also called John John Mark. But we do know that um, as Jesus was arrested. Mark was the one that went out, and of course it was late at night, and you remember what happened. Uh, he lost his cloak as he was running out there. And um, anyway, later on he's picked up by Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on the very first missionary journey. Mark uh, has had a history. Uh, of being around. He knows the Christian faith. But he deserted them. And this goes to show you that there is hope. He deserted them when the... I'm telling you, it was a rough ride where they were going on that first journey and uh, up in the mountains and who knows what you'd run into there. He returned home. He's probably really young, but uh, that wasn't for him. Later, Barnabas, who was Mark's cousin... He wanted to give him another try. He gave him a second chance. And that goes to show you different kind of personalities one has. One can be like a Barnabas, very much of an encourager. And he said he's ready. He can go. He needs to go with us, Paul. And Paul just adamantly refused. He said, there's no way. I'm not going to take a deserter with me. Somebody's going to leave us in the lurch. So it led to a split between the two great missionaries, Paul and Barnabas. And there's Mark coming along and he has a lot of knowledge and background. So Barnabas took Mark and actually went to Cyprus with him. And he had a, an encouragement, Barnabas did. And he was patient with Mark, and it did pay off. It did, it did good. Now Paul wants Mark to be with him as he faces the end. Wow, does this say a lot? Um... Colossians 4.10. Let's look at just a little bit. Let's see. Colossians 4.10. Paul mentions him at the end of his letter. 4.10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings. And also Barnabas, cousin Mark. There's, there's our relationship we get there. About whom you received instructions. If, if he comes to you, welcome him. He's okay. He's good. Just bring him on in. Usher him on in. This was after that first missionary journey. <laughs> uh, evidently, things worked out, didn't they? Uh, look in Philemon 24. Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Philemon 24. Epaphras in 23. My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Mark. Mark's with him there as he writes to Philemon. And look in 1 Peter 5.13. Peter mentions him. 
she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, that's not Mark, sends you greetings, and so does my son. <laughs> my son, Mark. Wow. Is that saying a lot? He calls Timothy son. He calls Titus son. Here he calls Mark son. Now this is Peter. This is not Paul. This is Peter. So, And this is the Apostle Peter. So evidently, uh, I think Mark uh, learned his lesson. Don't you think? And I think at the same time, you see a lot of forgiveness here, especially Barnabas. It's not just overlooking it, but he knows that he can be useful to him. He's okay as he went. He had a time there that wasn't wasn't uh, you know a cool thing to do, but uh, it's okay. It's all right. Um, Mark proved himself, and I think we see that he wrote the Gospel of Mark. Now we we saw that in in Peter. We saw the word my son Mark, and I think Mark got a lot of his information from who. Peter. Um, Peter had seen a lot of things by the Holy Spirit also, and then uh, with the help of him, uh, he writes this gospel. And after Peter had died, or whatever, anyway, Mark was back with Paul and served him well, probably even assisted Timothy. Uh, Timothy's going to come there. So he is well known to Timothy. Twenty years have passed, and we see that Mark is faithful. Mark is loyal. Pick up Mark and bring him, for he's useful in service. Do you like that? And I'm sure Timothy was glad to see him. He's useful to me. Uh, useful is the word diakonia, which is related to deacon or servant or minister. Wow, he can be a great help, can't he? Um, I think that's one of the great joys in Christian ministry. To, to see somebody who maybe looked like they were having some difficulty, maybe sliding a little bit there, and then they're restored back to useful service. That's a, that's a joy. That's what what we want if we see somebody in that direction. We don't want to uh, kick them while they're down. We want to restore them back to faith. Uh, but the Lord, you know, He builds up the weak again and again. He does it to us all the time, doesn't He? Builds us up. A lot of lessons we can learn out. Just these individuals, you know, like Mark, there's hit and miss verses here and there, but you can put them together and you can say, wow, and then of course you think, wow, he wrote the gospel on Mark. So God definitely had a plan for him. And then we have another guy here we don't know too much about, um, but we do know some about. There are other scriptures. Must have been quite a guy. But Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus. Hmm. Where's, where's Timothy at? Ephesus. He's pastoring the church there. Paul says, uh, Timothy, I need you here. Demas left. You're the man who can plug in the gap. There must That must have been a big ministry. By the way, don't worry about who's going to take it, Ephesus. Tychicus is on his way there. Who pastored at Ephesus? Paul had pastored there. Timothy pastored there. John had pastored there. And you have some of the great um, early church fathers who were there. What a church this must have been. And yet they lost their first love, we find out in Revelation chapter 2. Chapter, that area. Um, this faithful messenger, Tishkus, he's taking the message there. He's taking a message. Maybe that's all he does. Maybe he's not going to pastor there. 
Uh, not sure. It doesn't really say. But I'm sending to Ephesus. Maybe he is going to take over for the time being. But look in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Maybe this, you know, looking at him a little bit, can be helpful. Okay, uh, this, this was a missionary journey in Greece. He was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Purus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians. This is like an all-star team, and they come from all over the world. And Gaius of Derbe. And Timothy, there's Timothy. He doesn't even say where he's from. And Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. Timothy's. Tychicus, though. There's Tychicus. What a team Paul had. Um, Colossians 4 7. As to all my affairs, Tychicus. Look at this. Learn a lot here. Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. There he is bringing something to him. Maybe he's a messenger. Just a me- he's bringing something from Paul that had written the great epistle to Timothy that was going to be delivered by Tychicus. Maybe Colossians. Anyway, um, he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful servant. He's a fellow bond servant. He's a messenger. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's an encourager too. He brings a message. That's, that's right there in itself. And by the way, with him is Onesimus. Uh, you know, faithful, beloved brother who's one of your number. He's from your area. They'll inform you about the whole situation here. That's how they got it across then. No Facebook, no email, no Twitter. No phone. Walk Express. What's that? The Walk Express. (laughs) No pony. (laughs) So there we go. I'm sending him. um, So it's it's very likely that he's a faithful man. He's delivering the Word of God. I mean, we know he's very faithful. And uh, somebody we don't know about, but we see his name mentioned. How vital was this letter? 2 Timothy, huh? How vital is it? I mean, we've, we've, we've taken out months and months of just reading it and studying it, haven't we? And we've seen it, that it's helpful. It's vital because Timothy had to know what Paul was saying if he's going to set the church right. He also needs to know that he's going to, going to have to go up there where, where uh, Paul's at. Whatever it takes to get the word out. You know what? We've seen a lot of friends here. We need... These kind of friends in our ministry, don't we? We need faithful, loyal friends. And that's what we've seen in these guys right here that are absolutely committed to keep on getting that word out. And however way it may... And and if you don't do it side by side, and that's not usually the case, but you're praying for that. Or maybe you'll get to meet them sooner or later and help encourage them or whatever it is. You know, And then may, you may not even see them in this church, but it might be in another area or where people you know, live in somewhere else and you, and you just build them up and such. Uh, that's ministry, folks. Praying is one of the best ministries that you can possibly do. 
And so if we know about somebody and we hear about them, whether it be physically or spiritually or whatever it is, it's great to be able to pray for them because you get in the circle on that and then you see that answered prayer happens and you go, wow, the Lord really does work. The more you're involved in that, that's why prayer is so important. And that's where friendship, fellowship is so important. And I hope that that can be helpful to all of us as we uh, think about that today. Let's, uh, let's pray.